Hello everyone, and thanks for joining us for Upstage New York, Creative License's brand new scripted podcast. I'm Casey Polomain, and I am the co-founder of Creative License. With me is my partner, Aaron Holbritter, Eric Ward, the author of tonight's podcast, Isaac Newberry, our friend, colleague, and technical whiz, and Ian Lachance, our friend and longtime collaborator. This podcast is something that we have talked about since we started Creative License nearly a year and a half ago, and we found a lot of inspiration for what we wanted this podcast to be from listening to other scripted podcasts out there, like The Truth and Welcome to Night Vale, which I would also suggest checking out. Once we knew the direction we wanted to move in, we put out a call for scripts to local authors, and the response we got was pretty great. Eric, Isaac, Ian, and I will chat in a little more detail at the end of the episode, and we'll fill you in on what's coming up for Creative License. But for now, let's get to it. A quick disclaimer, uh, there is some adult language in the piece, so if that sort of thing offends you, then consider yourself warned. So close the blinds, turn off the lights, and settle in for Upstage New York's first episode, Ringing Out the Dead. Ringing Out the Dead, a cadaverous comedy in three straight chapters. 1. Something to do with what? Or the irrational rationale? Truth be told, he had always been, all his life, mostly rather fond of cemeteries. Ever since his first real visit as a young lad to the old Brompton down Bethel Road, on the rather dreary occasion of the death from tuberculosis of his eldest sister Faith on the eve of her ninth birthday, he had found them possessive of a most curious brand of comfort. A certain solace, if you will. So it was, quite naturally, well and deep within them that he throughout the jagged course of his subsequent youth, took quite frequently to hiding himself away when it all became, as they say, a bit too much to bear. Curling up against any old name of his choosing, be it Mrs. Crobate, who lived a hard eighty-eight, or poor Sherman Schooner, who went much sooner, he felt such a fine and true sense of camaraderie. Yes, alone there, cozied up amongst the regimentation of stones, with their many aged etchings denoting once existences, he found himself to be blessed with a most peculiar talent, one which allowed for him to, with no extra leapings of faith to speak of, summon a vast and varied expanse of imagined company, a spectral host of friends and associates alike, to which he found himself habitually confessing litanies of transgressions both actual and devised. So it was not with a sense of trepidation, that certain chilling of will, that he approached his recently appointed duty, and one of a most ghastly, bottom-feeding nature. Nor was it, initially anyhow, with a jolt of panic, that certain quickening of veins, that he reacted to the abrupt and godforsakenly incessant ringing of the dreaded Lazarus Bell.
stupid man. Not cut out for this kind of thing. A cowardly man. Unfit for heroics. Please, I implore you, do not judge me too harshly. God, what it is you must be thinking. What cruel adjectives waiting to unfurl. Even the most unspeakable of which I know each and every one of you is capable of conceiving and, in this moment, all too likely to hurl my direction. These are mistaken notions you've concocted. Savage. You know nothing of the contents, the particulars of my personal character. I am a good man. Moral, ethical, compassionate, God-fearing. I have a wife whom I love dearly. And our three little girls, darling things, testaments all to the inerrant goodness, nobility of the female gender. I say my prayers every evening, every morning, selfless in my worship. I pray for the end of all suffering worldwide. I embrace all people. I respect life, humanity. Never killed a man, never would. Not willingly. So, what's keeping me, you might ask, from tending to the night's duty? Why don't I get to digging in order to put to rest, forgive me, what most would perceive as the unjustified suffering of an innocent man? To correct the mistaken prognosis of highly trained, highly paid, licensed and practicing experts on the subject of human exploration? The answer's plain as day. I'm afraid of what I might find. Afraid to probe the grave. Afraid I may unleash, well, certainly not a man at all. Something else. Something to do with evil. Some kind of malevolent force, deceitful by its very nature, and ravenous to exploit the more actively charitable aspects of one unsuspecting someone's God-instilled compassion for some as-of-yet unforeseeable but certainly destructive end. Do you see my dilemma? How could I allow that to happen? Personally, I think it's all a load of shite. How could they possibly misinterpret the state of what is a still living being, however faint the traces of life may be, for that of cold, final death? It's unmistakable. I don't believe it. In this day and age, this modern world, they have the tools now, be certain. This whole rig is but a mere precaution, unnecessary. A product of fear insisted upon by those with money and time enough to waffle away in worry of such trivial nonsense. The grave is the grave, and the living don't, can't, belong there. If this man, assuming that he is a man, were really alive, I suspect he'd been rejected in an instant. The ground would simply spew him out without a moment's notice. These things have a way of working themselves out. I know the situation. I'm certain of it on a level so deeply lodged within my good Christian soul as to be utterly inexplicable to anyone ignorant of the good graces of steadfast, unquestioning faith in our God the Father. I don't feel a tinge of guilt for succumbing to fear as it would appear to the likes of you I have. 
whatever it is on the other end of that line, I know that it isn't human. Couldn't be. Certainly not Christian. And it wants out. Out more than anything. It wants out of the grave hall and into the world to get to work exacting any and every L-derived, devil-oriented deed its coal black art or whatever it's got can concoct. Well, it takes a man with a certain moral sensibility, sense of responsibility, toward the healthy and prosperous continuation of his family, his God, his fellow man. I am that man. Righteous, good, brave. Not having it. Tis a bit of a stretch. I just thought it might be worth a go. Truth is, I really feel for the poor bugger. If indeed some horrible mistake has truly been made, and he is now, in fact, as I stand here speaking, suffering the gross indignities, the sheer agony, unfathomable terror of having discovered himself to be, dear me, buried alive. If that is the case, then yes, I sympathize. Must be god-awful. But I'm afraid. A coward. Just what if... What if... Well, what would you do? You try handling a situation like this. I'm simply not the man for the job. To be honest, I took it purely out of desperation, despondency. Never once did I actually expect I'd have to really deal with this nonsense. One out of every 25, they said. Months it's been. Never a peep. Till now. I just don't have it in me. I'm a gutless man, prone to superstition and irrational panic. I mean, I recognize what it is I really should probably do here. It's clear to me, yet here I stand, and there's a spade. And never the twain shall meet. Besides, he's only so much oxygen to breathe down there anyway, right? I mean, isn't that correct? Probably wouldn't even reach him in time. What good could I really do? Say this. The irrational rationalizations of deep-seated cowardice. Oh, if there were any justice in this life, any at all, it'd be me down there right now. Me, instead of him. So unfair the mysterious workings of God. Seemingly, Christ, what a bastard. Hear that? No, me neither. Good God, what have I done? Two, way deep down in cozy cold ground, or comfort in a coffin, easily obtained. When he stubbornly awoke on what was later erroneously notated as being the morning of his demise, Everard Digby could not name a single aspect of his life for which he felt genuinely grateful. 
And it was that very thought that hit him well awake in the otherwise static countdown, to the moment he found the will to wrench from dormancy both his naughty little eyes. He had woken up rather late, he could discern instantly, for the light through his bedroom window was presently crawling down the southeast corner portion of his bureau, as opposed to the northwest, as he had long grown accustomed, indicating a sleepy holdover spanning nearly an hour and a half, a most curious grievance gone uncommitted by himself in what must have been, he conjectured, twenty-five or more years. He rose, dressed, thought briefly of submitting to a bath, a shave, a general primping, you know, but then thought better. For who the fuck, and whatever for, he asked aloud, as if awaiting a reprimand. He then made one last torrential charge down the tedious stairs to meet his wife, her martyrdom, lording in teeming silence over the breakfast table, the vast and loving arrangement of tea and biscuits and Bible verses laid out before her, all left to wither under the oppressive light of his unprecedented tardiness. He greeted her timidly, took his seat, and feeling a sudden knot of tension winding tightly in the pit of his chest, an abrupt and troubling sensation which he did not care to acknowledge on any level, extolled her in his own inimitably dismissive fashion, to which she gave no reply. A sudden beating of blood through the head, behind the eyes, in the eardrums, shot him through with a surge of panic that leaped up his spine like an electrical charge, rendering him vegetable, useless. And so it was in this extended bout of inexplicable agony that he noticed it. His wife, and how her face seemed to have almost magically assumed a, yes, subtly defined but nevertheless palpable air of pleasant satisfaction. A most vexing sight if he ever saw one, particularly when viewed through the lens of imminent doom. with it then, bastards. I'm through making the effort. They don't want me. I don't want them. Suits me just as well. I don't mind. I'll get by on my own. I'll do just fine. Uh, I've always fancied myself as being more than capable of achieving and maintaining a certain contentment, dare I say, or happiness, if you like, without a shred of input or involvement from any outside parties. I've always hated most people. Dreadful shits, by and large, I found. Yes, I... I think I shall do just fine without them. Good riddance! Hmm. I say, the only grievance of which I can speak truthfully is my overall lack of choice in this matter. If it were up to me, I could easily have furnished myself lodgings just a tiny bit more accommodating than this well, sodding excuse for a resting place. How did this even come to pass? If you'll excuse the lamentable pun. Huh. Last thing I remember. We were sitting down to breakfast. Down to breakfast. And now... What is it? Hmm. Breakfast, that's it. Just breakfast, not the act of eating. 
nor any recollection of interactivity with the wife. Conversation, nothing, nothing of the sort, simply breakfast. The regular, casual observance of the ritual, then nothing. Breakfast, nothing. Now this. Is this death? I don't feel dead. On the contrary, what is this? Some kind of purgatory? Well, of course. Six feet above me, the world carries on. The sun continues to rise and to set. Seasons turn. Lives emerge abruptly, only to wither out in purposelessness. Obscurity. The dreaded ennui of existence. I shall not miss it. The world up there. <laughs> A world now lacking my presence. My wife now lacking a mate. <laughs> the widow in the window, dabbing at her eyes through the night. Silent all day, resigned in fashion to all things black and grieving. My wife. Bitch. <laughs> she can't be all that tormented, I shouldn't think. She doesn't have it in her. <sighs> hmm. Infernal mystery. How did I end up here? By whose decree? What condition mistakenly identified as being the thing to finally put me under? Ah, <sighs> breakfast. Then nothing. Now here. Breakfast, nothing, here, once up, now down, once above, now below. One really has to wonder, what mysterious force is at play that would not only allow for an outcome such as this for a gentleman such as myself, but furthermore to provide no explanation whatsoever as to the, the, the why, or the how, or even when of the proceedings. The when, the real hell of it, the mystery of time elapsed. How long since breakfast? Logically speaking, can't have been more than a day or bloody two, for here I lay, still breathing, and, well, if I can speak truthfully, not even particularly hungry or thirsty. Well, I, I do confess a desire to urinate that well, seems to be gaining in strength, the more I speak out loud. Uh, well, a desire which, of course, must, must eventually claim relief. Oh, no use fighting it. No use holding on. Yet the eventual stench, I should think. If I were to now soak my trousers in my own liquid waste, that would quickly become intolerable. Ego, I shall hold off for now. Huh. Fascinating. I have no fear, it seems. Not even a bit. Huh. No ill-feeling to speak of, no resentment to report. Remarkable, considering the circumstances. Circumstances which, to the mind of just about any other, would invariably serve as the realized equivalent of a living nightmare, a cosmic terror, an existential distress made so horrifically manifest as to constitute the trappings of a hell not even the devil himself would care to call home. For down here in the blackness, the cold, the silence, the stillness, there can be no escape. A man is merely a bag of bones and blood, sucked cruelly down without warning to the very bottom of the food chain. 
a bottom so pathetically so as to designate time itself the most ravenous of predators. Am I the first in human history to go quietly? Hail, gladly, into this unlikeliest of fates? I'd like to think so. Yeah, first of my kind. <laughs> that sounds about right. Sounds like me. Hmm. I'm a revolutionary. <laughs> the real tragedy at work here is the fact that no one can ever know. Typical. Yet another barrier silently broken in wholly unnecessary obscurity. Hmm. Ah, what do I care? It'll all be mercifully over soon. Mercifully over. I say... I do believe I detect budding within me an admittedly abrupt but steadily blossoming sense of well-being. Who knew one could find one's own grave to be such a cozy old place? Hmm. I'll say it true. I'm glad to be here. I am. Glad. Things are far simpler. Let me assure you. <laughs> You've only so many options in this context. It is merely a case of mind over matter. Only the purely weak, purely stupid succumb to the states of shock and hysteria when faced with the prospect of eternity, as if it were only a matter of avoiding it, as if it weren't an experience common to every living thing that has ever, is currently, or will eventually walk the earth. <laughs> what childishness. I accept my fate. Hell, I celebrate it. I'm eager to begin the next chapter. Or not. However it goes. <laughs> All is well. But know this. By celebrating the circumstances of my own demise, I managed to subvert completely the common temperamental associations which, well, to my mind, can be of no consequence whatsoever. Associations of terror befitting the darkest depths of imagination, summonable by none but Mr. Poe himself. And in so doing... I achieve a peace of mind so assured and complacent as to be, I should think, completely bereft of precedent. Remarkable, this brain of mine. I need nothing else to bring me through. Remember these words, dear friends, as I enter into fate with a dignity never before achieved by the likes of mankind. Crossover bearing a host of answers as opposed to questions. Remarkable me cozied up in a grave that could only be called mine. The poor old world slugged onward above me, crushed beneath the weight of its own mortality with no chance of staying decay. <laughs> I shall not miss it a bit. Fuck off, I say! <laughs> it was only a matter of time, wasn't it? <laughs> I die with my dignity. One thing I shall miss, it occurs to me now. Actually, no. I'm mistaken. I shall not miss a thing. Three. Rain makes such a lovely sound, or the indignities of exhumation. He had been digging for quite some time at a frantic, relentless pace, and was presently enduring a whip of unpleasantness deep within his bowels that could only be called fiendish. And after what seemed to him a good ten to twenty thousand swings of the old spade, he found 
turning his eyes toward the heavens, to his shock that he could scarcely make out the moon in all its dutiful radiance, the very same which had accompanied him through the many nights previously spent alone amongst the expired, serving as a kind of guiding light, you might say, a beacon of what? Well, he couldn't exactly discern, but it meant something important, he was quite sure. And now, having been alerted to its virtual absence, the troubling feeling cut through him that he was, pertaining to the grave matter at hand, not so much rescuing another from theirs, but in cold actuality digging his very own. The deeper he delved, the more disturbing this prospect became. He began to envision the pale, huddled faces of his wife and progeny, skin stretched taut and painful, eyes rolling white and flushed, and slowly, so slowly, receding into oblivion. Most troubling, yes, most troubling indeed. Needless to point out, the sudden urge to abandon his efforts Pack it all in, as they say, became increasingly overwhelming to the point of being unconscionable. And then he felt a thunk. Oh, fuck! Fuck! All right, it's all right. You're all right. All is all right. Is he all right? Hey! Hey! Down there! You! In the coffin! What? <gasps> Are you alright? Of course I'm alright! Why wouldn't I be alright? Are you... Are you... Am I what? Are you... Dead? What? Deceased! Do I fucking sound deceased? Oh, I don't... And, and what exactly, may I ask, would a bloody de deceased man be expected to sound like? I don't believe I want to know. Then what good are you? So, you are alive then? Quite. Oh, oh, I can't express to you such relief, such sweet, charitable, welcome relief. Oh, I'm touched. Well, let me just assure you that, that you are now safe, freed from suffering. I'm going to get you out of that godforsaken all this instant. Oh, you won't, you know. I... You shall do... No such thing. Excuse me? Are you hard of hearing? I said leave me be. I don't fully comprehend. Oh, shocking. Am I to understand you wish to remain buried? Quite so. Are you mad? Not in the least. This is some kind of tasteless joke. Well, given my natural propensity for all things concerning taste, an almost total lack of appreciation for all things comic, I'd have to say it just doesn't add up, I'm afraid. Damn nigh impossible. Uh... Are you still there, sir? Uh, yes, yes, uh, forgive me. <sighs> Very well. Now, would you kindly, uh, please? What? Kindly what? Fill me back in. What? Uh, please. Oh, no! I beg your pardon. I can't abide, sir. How do you mean you can't abide? I squarely refuse to do it. This is an outrage. Is that so? Just 
What gives you the authority to refuse such a request? I have my rights. And what are those? I have my rights. Yes, of course. However, I do not think they necessarily apply in this instance. Oh, oh, you don't, do you? Well, let me assure you, they most certainly do. Is that so? I have my rights. Yes, yes, you have your rights and I my scruples. Your what? Principles. Oh, peace, posh. Moral guidelines. Poppycock. Laws by which I say each and every man or woman must consciously govern his or her uh, existence. Uh, I'm a hero. Nonsense. No, 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 no. I am a hero and not you nor anyone else is going to deem that otherwise. Listen to me, you insufferable child. If you don't contend with my wishes, you will be willfully depriving a, trust me, well-deserving man of taste and accomplishment of the final realization of his uttermost dreams. Dreams? Dreams, yes. The finer points of which my poor unfortunate boy would prove almost certainly impenetrable to your rather curious methods of understanding. In other words... It's none of your concern. Well, I believe it is my concern. Is it? Is it not? How do you reckon? The good lords willed it so. Oh, Christ. The good lords stuck us here. Together. Has he? For a higher purpose. Oh, what the bloody hell do you mean, higher purpose? Well, I do feel as if I've been chosen. Chosen? To will you back into the light. Oh, dear me. To save you from your own destructive tendencies. <laughs> you fool. Come on, man. We're, we're talking about God's greatest gift, after all. Gift? Did you say gift? I said gift. More like a bloody curse, if you ask me. <laughs> a gift, you child. Dear God, man. Just look around you. Breathe in and out. Are you aware of the importance of breathing? <sighs> The air is quite fresh, uh, crisp, dull, exquisite. Dull, the dawning dull, of a new day, dull, one majestic dull, vision dull, after dull, another. Dull. My good man, haven't you any pleasures, passions for which you might consider continuing on? None to speak of. Family? Uh, I'd rather not remember. Don't be ridiculous. I'll tell you what. If I could whittle it down to a single point, a single defining image, Jeez. my girls, the three of them, separately or together, in a bunch, my babies sprung from loins sacred and true. How sickeningly maudlin. You simply cannot comprehend it without having experienced it for yourself. The sense of, well, responsibility, naturally. But a child, in many ways, is like a mirror. Reflective of past particularities, projective of potential future states of grace or, or disgrace. To birth a living being and then watch her, or him, grow from pure infancy, totally despondent, completely helpless, into, one hopes, a thoroughly self-sustaining creature. To watch him grow, I tell you. It's about the only truly amazing thing there is. <laughs> to a man of your intellectual breadth, I should think just about anything seems amazing. And my wife. I marvel often at our time spent together. Ages now. Raised a family. Advanced the human race in our own modest way. Modest, you say? Haven't you any comparable experiences? Comparable? Pertaining to matters of the heart. 
<laughs> you must be joking. Haven't you a heart, sir? I would say so. Is that right? Absurd question. Hey, you're the one in the coffin, remember? What on earth has that to do with anything? I'm merely attempting to reason with you. Fardles! I just feel you're being irrational. If only you'd allow for a bit more time to consider this, to survey your circumstances carefully. What stupidity! Sir, there must be something in this life from which you've been able to draw even the meagerest helpings of joy, satisfaction. Is there nothing comes to mind? Well, I suppose there's uh, always something. Isn't there? Small pleasures, that is. Simple joys. Well, what are they? What are they? Yes. Um, what are they? Uh, well... Uh, you've no uh, cause to hesitate. I, I, I suppose... Uh, yes? I suppose... Cucumber sandwiches. Cucumber, eh? Little cucumber sandwiches sliced ever so thin? Uh, yes, yes, uh, on rosemary bread. <laughs> rosemary bread, delicious. Uh, yes, yes, rather delightful, they've been. Uh, oh, and pheasant. Pheasant? Yes, a good, plump, roast pheasant. Invigorating. Oh, followed up by uh, an evening's pipe full of royal Cavendish and... And tea and scones with marmalade. Lord! <laughs> and, and, um, uh, a buxom strumpet's bloomin'. <laughs> Cheeky! <laughs> yes, a lovely midsummer's helping of Italian hokey pokey. <laughs> and I care not who knows it. <laughs> yes, yes! <laughs> and, and what else? What else? Uh, what else? Uh, green ivy on a stone wall. <laughs> Something remarkable beauty there. And, and what else? Uh, I suppose uh, uh, a good pair of trousers. <laughs> I say, the list is complete. Uh, are you still there, sir? Yes, yes, sorry. What is that? What? What is... Uh, is that rain? Yes, I'm afraid it is. Hmm. Uh, quite lovely, isn't it? Is it? The rain? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Quite lovely. The rain makes such a lovely sound to those who are six feet underground. <laughs> uh, well, dare I mention it, but uh, it now occurs to me... What's that? If you were to leave me here, as I presently am, I would simply... Drown, eventually, anyway, wouldn't I? Hmm. Well, I, I suppose you might. My hole would eventually have to fill up, wouldn't it? Yes, indeed. I, I suppose it would. Yes, <laughs> if it persists in its persistence. A persistent rain. A persistent, consistent, marvellous rain. <laughs> Good God, I can't swim! your pardon? Get me out of this goddamn pine box! Is it pine? Oh my god! I, I want to live! I want to feel the rain on my face! The rain! Rain! Wonderful rain! Wash away your sins! Christ! Just get me out! Not to worry, my good man! <laughs> get me out of this hole! Yes, yes! Just a moment! I, I, I just need my... Uh, I just need... Oh, oh, God's sake, man! Footing! I... I, I no, do not rush... Oh, bloody hell! My back! Stop complaining!
remaining and release me this instant. Mm. Ah. Are you all right? All right, yes. I'm, I'm getting... Uh, getting up. Get up! Getting! Are you erect? What? Are you upright? Oh, yes, yes. I'm, I, I've just managed it. Uh, I'll be all right after all, it seems. Marvelous. Now, out with me. Of course. Uh, all right, one nail down. Um, one, two... Oh, dear God, twelve more to go. Well, get on with it, then. Uh, uh, Eleven. Come on. Uh, ten. The rain, the rain. I can't swim, I tell you. Nine. Oh, what a vast hell. The thought of drowning. Endless openness. Every direction you look. Uh, eight. A body set adrift. Uselessly bobbing about. Seven. Uh, sinking and falling and rising. Six. Tearing to pieces. Five. Water in my belly. Water in my lungs, filling up my throat, drowning my brain, my precious brain! Four! At least beneath the ground you're fixed, you're fastened in, you're permanent, but you've still some semblance of control if you're keen enough to achieve it. Ah, three! This is not what I asked for, how I wish to go. I was just having breakfast, that's all! Two! Oh God, save me, save my soul, save my... One! You know. Right, no need to get nasty. And I'm a child, you say. Oh, what in the fucking hell would you expect me to have done otherwise? I may be six feet under, but I'm still a man after all. All right, all right. I do apologize. Now, won't you please assist me? Of course. Of course. <laughs> oh. oh. Dear me. Oh. How do you feel? Rather stiff, I must say, but... But also elated. Oh, I'm pleased to hear you say that. Oh, the rain. <laughs> marvelous rain. Can you feel that? Oh, I can feel it, yes. <laughs> oh, marvelous. What? Oh. <laughs> Is that all right? Hmm? Oh, yes, of course. I. Well, I, I should think. The that Digby was referring to was none other than the coffin lid itself. A mud-spotted, rain-soaked cedar construction, measuring roughly three meters tall and two across, weighing approximately 25 kilograms, perched, you might say, precariously on the edge of the grave hole at such an angle as to be seemingly mere moments from lodging loose and toppling down the ever-softening earth beneath, washing quickly away, causing it to seesaw troublingly. Shall we? Pardon? Oh, yes, of course. Um, I, I suppose, uh, yes. Here, just uh, uh, put your right foot just just right here, just like mm. that. Yes, that's now Now you hoist yourself up. Hoist, hoist. and pull. And, and pull? Hoist! Pull! Lift yourself! Lift, I say! I can't! All this rain! Goddamn rain! What? It's all gone soft. There's nothing to be gripped. Uh, nonsense. I'll propel you. One, no, I don't really two, think that's a good... Three! No! Oh! 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 Damn you! My back! My back! Oh! You, you idiot! You imbecile! My back! I 
I can't move! Oh. I think I broke my back! You didn't break your bleeding back. The reason you can't move is because I'm sprawled out on top of you, aren't I? Oh, I, oh, I pinned you down. Well, get off me! Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. I do believe we are trapped here. What? There's no way out. The ground is completely mudded over. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! What a cruel iron. Oh, I don't want to die. Oh. I don't want to die! Oh, please. Get off me! Just get off of me! No need to ask twice! <laughs> oh. Heavens. Nearly up to our knees now. How long do you fancy we have? Not very long at all, I shouldn't think. Not very long at all? No. Fucking rain. Fucking rain. Infernal. Dismal. Dreary. Oh, 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 oh my god! Oh my god, the lid! Oh, oh god! My back! My back! Ah, oh. oh, shut up, will you? And so, with thunder crashing and rain pelting down, a wind like the agonized crack-cheeked sighing of a god swept furiously across the land, sealing shut the grave, forever silencing our poor, unfortunate heroes. Well, what must go down must stay there, shall it be writ? Dear friends, you must forgive me, but I am compelled to point out to you, and this would seem the height of all things bloody typical, but I cannot begin to express the utter resplendence of the morning which followed. Episode, our first story, uh, Ringing Out the Dead by Eric Ward. And uh, Casey and I are sitting here in the recording studio at the Hudson Underground. And we are talking with uh, author Eric Ward and voice actors Isaac Newberry and Ian Lachance and myself and Casey Polamain, who sort of produces and put it all together. So we just wanted to talk a little bit about the piece. We hope you enjoy hearing it as much as we enjoy doing it um so let's uh, let's start with you eric uh welcome back here we are hello um and uh what um so where did this story come from it's 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 a very unique um certainly story and it was written as a as a stage play yes Is yeah, that yeah. Correct? yeah um how did that come up it was about four years ago and uh, I was living in New Orleans at the time, but I seem to recall when it started, I was home for one reason or another and wasn't doing much one day and was kind of just sitting around and uh, for having nothing better to do, uh, just jotting down ideas of things that I could possibly uh, spend the fall into the winter writing because uh, I didn't really have anything on my plate at the time. And uh, one of the stories I ended up coming, coming up with 
or just one of the notions that uh, uh, came into my head was this uh, whole safety coffin scenario, which uh, I think I first heard of through my grandfather, I want to say, when I was very young. And it was something, uh, obviously, being so grim and sort of horrifying to imagine, uh, really stuck out in my mind. And also just the absurdity of somebody, uh, of, of living in a time where it was so... Uh, kind of uncertain. Tenuous, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where you, I mean, the thought that you could actually wake up and just be mistakenly... Well, medical science was so good back then. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, so good. And, uh, <laughs> and so I just started imagining, um, I mean, oh, there's, uh, okay, so the term uh, graveyard shift is actually uh, uh, where this is derived oh. from. So the people that they employed to sit through the graveyard through the night to listen for these bells on the rare occasions that they actually heard them, oh. uh, they were called graveyard shifters. Uh, and so I started imagining well, what would it be like to have that job and then the first <laughs> scene came in and I was like well that's not a play I need a little bit more and so I decided what would it be like to wake up uh, in this scenario uh, and then I wasn't interested in writing you know a, a typical uh, you know horror scene you know, sure. like the way somebody would actually uh, react to waking up under those circumstances I thought it'd be funny if the character was uh, so pompous and so angry and just so uh, ridiculous that he <laughs> just embraces it. Sure, uh, sure. Just, yeah, yeah. I just, I kind of, kind of ran with that. Nice. And then uh, I think the play sat for probably a month after that, and then I just, uh, I, I, I was imagining what it would be like when those characters met. And then I sat down and I wrote the third scene, which is most of the play, in mm. probably a, a day or two. Wow. And wow. then the play sat for another year, and then I went back at it and uh, added some of the more overt sort of theatrical. British kind of things, sure. The narration, etc. Because uh, I've been reading a lot of P.G. Woodhouse, the Jeeves and Worcester stories in particular. <laughs> I was very inspired by um, uh, the movie Dogville, right, uh, right, and uh, like a little bit of Winnie the Pooh. So that's really, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> so that's really so, sort of where the language yeah. uh, comes from, because the language is so unique mm-hmm. and and uh, specific. Yeah, and I'd, um, I'd never written anything that kind of um, overtly theatrical or maybe genre bound. In a sense, because my plays all before that were more rambling, kind of, um, uh, not not as um, applicable to any sort sure, of style. Sure, 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 sure. That makes sense. Gotcha. Did you gotcha. spend a lot of time in graveyards while you were like brainstorming, like uh, how the I, story was going to go? Uh, you know, I, 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 I lived around uh, a lot of very unique graveyards, and in New Orleans, all the graves are above ground. Because they're so uh, they don't have that problem down yeah, there. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> but uh, during floods, uh, the entire place becomes a graveyard. In New Orleans, they just walk out and they're like, "Hey guys, I'm yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay." Psych. <laughs> New Orleans itself is sort of is sort of a living graveyard in a sense. Mm. I, I mean that in the best way possible. Sure, yeah. sure, it's, sure. It's, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's an incredibly haunted city, and uh, while um, uh, it didn't have any direct sort of stylistic influence, I think the voodoo of the place was definitely mm. a, a factor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it you know, it has this sort of connotation of, you know, you know, rising from the dead, which is not really what's happening. But when you put it in that context of being in a graveyard and you know, and, mm. and being in a coffin, it just automatically sort of creates this imagery. Um, yeah. which I think was what really sort of appealed to me about it as uh, you know, for 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 this podcast was that it, it, it was so uh, there was so much of that theater of the mind, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where once you sort of got the picture in your head of this sort of dark, creepy, you know, late 18th century, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
uh, sorry, late 19th century um, uh, English graveyard. Yeah. You know, once you sort of create that picture in your mind, I think the whole thing just sort of takes on this really sort of cool life. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was really, really uh, something that we could do in this style. Um, oh, and another, I, I forgot. Um, uh, this wouldn't be apparent here because we're only hearing it, but if you were to see it... Um, uh, a lot of the a lot of the visual ideas are very much inspired by uh, this painter named Caspar Ka- David Friedrich. I, I think his name is. Mm. Uh, he's very famous for painting, among other things, uh, uh, sort of desolate-looking graveyards or just areas mm. in um, in wooded places, etc. Mm. That are very have a very um, <coughs> overcast, melancholy yeah. kind of feel. Mm. Uh, yeah, another big inspiration. Cool. Ian, you were asking about the the name of the. Yeah, Everard Digby. Everard <laughs> Digby. I know it's a great yeah. name. You know, I my memory is a little unclear as to how we came up with that specifically, but it was a process. Um, this was uh, in collaboration. Uh, I, I I wrote ninety eight percent of the script myself, and I had a I had a little little bit of help from the guy who uh, in this original conception played Everard Digby. But anyway, um, we sort of ping-ponged a lot of ideas. Uh, there were other names which are just terrible, like, <laughs> like um, I think I think there was one last name was like like Willow Whip, like sh- like that, <laughs> you know, which I would come up with these dumb things, and he no, <laughs> we're in no rush to come up with a name right now. Just sit on it, and we eventually came up with Everard Digby. I really don't remember how, to be honest. The language is it's the kind of thing that I think you. It needs to be taken slowly. I mean, not only not only speaking it to make sure that you're hitting all the all the right sounds because sounds are really important with with heightened language like that, but also listening to it. You know, it's a there's an appreciation for it that if it's if it goes too fast, I think a lot of it gets yeah. missed. Yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned that too when we were sort of working on the drafts. That, yeah, you know, uh, you really need you really you you really want to hear. Each word, mm-hmm. I think, in yeah, a way they that they paint such a vivid yeah, picture yeah. that you, yeah, it, it just it helps you really understand where yeah. you are and who these characters are and how they speak and everything yeah. like that. How did you guys feel like about playing them? Like they were seems like they're just fun characters. <laughs> uh, they were they were actually fun. <laughs> they were fun. They were a good contrast too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I I don't even think we had a lot of discussion necessarily about who was going to play who. No, it just kind of happened. Yeah, we just did it. I, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, they're just for 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 the the graveyard shifter since he doesn't re- actually have a name. He's just uh, known as the man. I think the man, the man. Yeah. The so man. Eric used up um, all of his creative juices on one man you'll never, never <laughs> write another word that ladies and gentlemen like, Yo, you're listening to the it. only this Eric he doesn't write the same play twice you'll <laughs> <laughs> never have another name back there this is just man <laughs> I give up <laughs> I should have just named him fuck it <laughs> just, well you know that actually leads into my question a little bit Okay, for all you right. guys is you think his wife killed him or tried to? You uh, know, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, the way he behaved, like I, I would probably stick him in a box. Yeah, he did not seem <laughs> particularly pleasant. So, so I think that. But that, neither did she, right? Well, that's true, right? Like they definitely seemed like they were a match made in mm, uh, hell, hell <laughs> match made in purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so it was only a matter of time, I think, before one of them did the other in. Yeah, she maybe got there a first. Long time coming at that. I point. feel like they've been trying to kill e- kill each other throughout their marriage. <laughs> sure, right? sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, and I love that moment where you know, 
I don't have it in front. Pardon me, I don't have it in front of me, but that palpable, the line, the palpable. Palpable, yeah. Um, Air of pleasant satisfaction. Yes. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> like he's going out and she's oh, yeah. got a she's creepy right. face. Right. Like, right? Yeah. Bitch. And she's, she's like, I did that. <laughs> I win. She knows. She knows. Um, crazy. Great. Great. Awesome. So, uh, so Casey, what's what's going on? What's coming up? Uh, well, uh, let's see. Our next um, our next thing coming up is Divided, which is a uh, completely original piece. We um, teamed up with three local writers um, to to create this, and uh, it's really a one of a kind experience. Um, it's going to be one night only on New Year's Day at the University Club in Albany. Uh, it's it, it's going to be really cool. We're going to have this whole experience where you can come have drinks, have some appetizers, uh, watch some theater and and get involved in the theater. Um, it's it, it's it's a it's a large thing to explain. Um, but as an audience member, you will be able to decide the fate of the characters in front of you, which is really exciting. And, and uh, we're kind of venturing into unknown territory, putting it together. But I think it's going to be really exciting. So again, that's called Divided. It'll be at the University Club in Albany on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what we're working on right now. Uh, I also want to announce um, what our next main... officially this is like this our is, first. Yes, anna- this, this is, is it. You're this hearing is, this first, right? This is the first announcement um, of this production. Uh, we are really excited to be putting on "I Am My Own Wife" um, that opens Friday, February nineteenth at Albany Barn. Um, it's written by Doug Wright, directed by Dave Carta, and starring Ben Katagiri. Uh, ben, you might recognize um, from Dog Sees God, which we just put on at the barn this past spring. Uh, it's a, a one-man show, so Ben is carrying that whole show on his shoulders, but uh, we we really believe in him, and we think that it's going to be really terrific. He can't, uh, it's, it's a real passion project for Ben, and we're really excited to... To partner uh, with them and and get the show off the ground, I think it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, creative license is a passion project for Aaron and I. So anytime that anyone comes to us with their own passion project, we'd be crazy to not jump on board. Uh, so it's going to be really great. Um, like I said, it opens Friday, February nineteenth at the Albany Barn. Um, you can visit our website www.creativelicenseonline.com to learn more about Divided along with I Am My Own Life. Great, great. Um, is that, is that, do we have anything else? That's to, it, that's all I got. Anything else to report? That's all I got. <laughs> I want more. It's like morning, <laughs> it's like morning announcements. Oh, I do have something else. Yes. Um, so as I kind of said at the beginning of this episode, um, we really want to work with um, local writers to put this podcast together. So if you are a writer and you have a project that you've been sort of working on or you want to, maybe this inspires you to start something new, um, please send us your script. We would love to read it and we would love to work with you on turning it into a podcast. So if you want to email that to us, uh, you can send it to info at creativelicenseonline.com. Great, yeah. Um, and our, I think our, our goal really is to do about six of these a year. Mm-hmm. So about one every couple of months. So we'd be looking at, you know, December. I don't think we necessarily want to be in 
you know, holiday land mm-hmm. all the time, but maybe something holiday, maybe something Christmas themed. Sure. We're, or Hanukkah themed. We're crazy. We're, 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 we're open to anything. We're I like yeah. the Kwanzaa. The Qua- all right. We can do that too. We can do that. <laughs> so whatever you got, send it our way. We, we would love to read it. All right. Well, listen, thank you, everyone. Uh, thanks uh, to Eric and Ian and Isaac for hanging out with Casey and I. Um, and thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as we enjoyed making it. And uh, oh, Casey's you can out. also um, see some photographs uh, that were taken during this recording uh, by our good friend Matt Ham. They will be on our website as well. So definitely check those out while you're listening to this podcast. And even though he's being quiet, he's actually over in the he's corner here. taking sneaky pictures. Hi, he's Matt. Kind of a creeper. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So thanks very much. Stay tuned uh, for. Uh, to make sure you like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram and all of that online stuff. And uh, that way you'll always know what we're doing. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Do you think? You must forgive me, but I'm compelled to point out to you, and this is in the height of voting by the typical, but I cannot be... <laughs> I'm, like, moving into fucking Cartman. It's, like, becoming Cartman. I, I don't know if I could sustain it. Excuse you guys. And we're <laughs>